For summer camp, our high school ministry went houseboating, and when we went houseboating, we got to ride on tubes, find ski boats, and it was awesome. And the last day of my senior year of the trip, I was on a tube with my high school pastor. Both of us are big dudes, and we were, the boat was swinging us around right by where all the houseboats were. And as we were coming around the corner, I started to fall off, and I grabbed his board shorts and pulled them all the way off, and he mooned the whole camp. Damn, I'm glad I didn't peek in high, high school Cause my best days will be in the past I know, I know, I know, I know Looking back, it ain't all bad But damn, I'm glad I didn't peek in high, high school Hey everyone, welcome to Unlearning Youth Group or the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learned back in youth group Find the good, unlearn the bad And figure out where the heck we go from here we haven't met. My name is Jonathan Caron, and I'm joined, as always, by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. This week is the continuation of a conversation we started last week on doubts and deconstruction. If you haven't listened to the first part, you probably want to go back and listen to that so you can see everything building up to this point. For today's episode, we're going to start about a minute at the end of last week so you get some context, and then we'll go right into the back half of our conversation about doubts and deconstruction. So here's a little bumper music, and then Eric and I will be back on the other side. You have people from a background similar to mine. I live in a county that was 76, 78% conservative in the last election. And so I grew up with all of these beliefs. And so once I started questioning them, it's extremely easy to swing all the way to the other side and say, well, that was wrong, so this other thing has to be right, as opposed to, well, maybe the truth is found somewhere in the tension between the two. Maybe there isn't a solid answer on that. And so what's happening in the deconstruction movement is because there's so much animosity towards what you grew up in, you feel like you cannot agree with anything, that you have to run as far away from that thing as you possibly can, or else you're going to be associated with that. And you don't want to be associated with those people anymore. Yeah. hundred percent true on that one. And it's, it's uh, you know, we just keep going back to the parenting thing. It's like, I also see this movement too, with young, uh, what would they be older Gen Z's young millennials, where they're posting a lot about the trauma that they receive from their childhood growing up. And I'm sure a lot of that is very, very true. And, you know, there are people that are growing up in terrible situations. But now being a parent myself, I look at my parenting and I'm like, man, how many things am I doing that I feel like I'm I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get this right. And I screw up as a parent every day. And to think in 20 years, are my kids going to be making videos of whatever the modern equivalent of TikTok is going to be about how traumatic experience there and how much trauma that their parent gave them. And I think like, boy, I have a lot more grace for what my parents went through because now I realize what I'm going through now and the stress of my own life trying to get it right. And so like in that same vein, there are, yeah, of course, there are situations of hurt and things that are illegal and abuse that we need to call out. We need to make right. But is there a spot in that gray area where we could draw the line and go the uh, the pastor that said the thing to me that informed my religion in a bad way about being afraid of hell or what you know whatever that minor theological thing was 
Was that his imperfect understanding of the Bible and the gospel? Was that shaped by something within him that was tweaked? And can I, can I pull his own issue away from the, you know, looking at whatever theological issue there is in front of me, rather than just saying every religious piece is trauma now, right? Like, can we separate those things out in a healthy way? And I think that's, that's ultimately what's going to be needed in order for anybody to walk through this process in a way that's going to be fruitful at the end. And we joke on here that our kids are going to need a podcast called unlearning the things our parents unlearned from you. Right. Yeah. Uh, because like we're doing the best we can. And we, we try to say all the time that the people who led us and the, and even us as leaders 20 years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it is, we were doing the best we can. And then we learned more. And mm-hmm. so um, I'm totally empathetic to the people in the deconstruction realm because I've been there. Um, but I also at this point understand a little bit that not everything was purposeful. Some right. things happened that um, weren't on purpose. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that we like to do around here is we want to find the things that we got right. What were the good intentions underlying bad things that happened? And from a church perspective, I don't know that there's much we got right here. <laughs> um, I know that there are individual churches who have dealt with abuse and hypocrisy and leadership issues in the right way. I, I know that. But on the whole, uh, the church has really, really struggled with it. It's something that pretty much anyone who's been in the church for any extended amount of time can tell you they've been a part or around a church that has struggled with some type of issue like this. So mm-hmm. because of that, I want to focus on the positives of de- deconstruction and try to redeem some of what what's going on through this. So to start with, I think it's really good to question your faith. to work on what you believe, to really think through it and to own it. As I mentioned, deconstruction has been going on since the cross. Those guys thought that Jesus were coming. The disciples thought Jesus was coming back to start a political movement. Then he was murdered by the politicians and they had to completely change what they thought his mission and his motives were and what following him looked like. So for 2000 years plus, people have been, Christians have been deconstructing their faith. When I left church staff back at the end of 2014, I went through a probably two or three year, maybe it's probably still going on to be honest, process where I say I rethought everything I thought I knew. I had to determine if my beliefs, theological beliefs, church governance beliefs, political beliefs, whatever they were, if they were because I was taught them by my parents or my church leaders or my culture, or if they were things I actually believed based on my understanding of the Bible. And through that process, many of my beliefs changed. Things that I once held with a clenched fist were now things I had an opinion on, but I realized there was room for disagreement amongst believers. Uh, There were some things that flipped completely. I don't want to derail us with some of those specifics on what went, because I don't want this to be a podcast about my personal beliefs on issues. Um, so feel free to reach out on social if you want to have that conversation. I am at Jonathan underscore Caron on Instagram and on Twitter. So feel free to reach out and I'll, I'd love to have that conversation. But at 35, there are things that I believe today that are 180 degrees different than what I believed at 25. So yes. I think it's a 
the if you can do it in a healthy way, deconstructing is a good thing. Yeah, and and we've talked about this on podcast before, but in Rob Bell's book, uh, Velvet Elvis, that was an analogy he used that that at the time, you know, when the postmodern uh, emergent movement was coming out, and I read it, you know, before the backlash that he received. Uh, looking back, whatever ten right, years, so. yeah, right, right, right. Uh, looking back 10, 15 years ago now, that would be a piece out of that book that I pulled out that I think really applies to, to this deconstruction movement here. And that is the, he had this analogy of the, of the difference between brick wall faith and trampoline faith. And he said that if your faith is a brick wall, meaning that every, you know, every piece of, of your faith that you believe is like an individual brick, uh, if you start pulling out too many of those bricks and looking at them and trying to examine them, and maybe they don't fit back right the same way, the entire wall falls down by moving too many, you know, too many pieces of, of faith of bricks. Like, uh, for instance, let we'll just give a for instance. I'm not going to give a political view on it or, or a religious view either way, but let's just say you have a brick wall of faith, and you pull out the piece that says, uh, you know, our same sex relationships really enough to send someone to hell and you start looking at it and you go oh maybe they're not does the rest of your faith wall crumble down right uh that those are some big issues that a lot of people then will say well i cannot examine the deconstruction is bad because if we start saying wow maybe this isn't the way that i thought or was taught my whole faith is going to fall down and then Rabel brings up this idea of like a trampoline faith he says imagine each of your tenets of your faith are like the springs on a trampoline um, and you could jump and they can flex and they could do all these things that if you start taking away individual springs to look at them the trampoline still works because the other springs hold it together and so that's kind of what I think is like, okay, where we would get this right or where the church could get this right is to look at that and say, there might be only a couple of things that are closed fisted in your entire theology and everything else is open handed that you should be able to take and look around. There might be one thing that is the, I don't know, the mat or the mesh of the trampoline but everything else is a spring that you could take it out and look at it and flex it and bend it and see and ex explore with it because that's the only way you're going to test to see if your faith is real and if your faith can actually hold up because if you start removing one or two that's why this deconstruction thing has gained so much traction and has also been so inflammatory for the church is people are starting to take away individual pieces that they thought were bricks and the wall of their faith is crumbling and now we have people that are walking away from the church and walking away from the faith because the foundation of their faith was built in a rigid format as opposed to in an organic, dirty mess that Jesus called us to, even just thinking through some of the things that he brought up. And so I'm, I'm with you. We, we need to be able to look at our faith and allow it to be examined in, in, a, in a way that we can examine our faith with fear and trembling. And we can't succumb to tribalism within the church as well. Right. That's why we have a thousand different denominations. I mean, yes, there right. are some big theological issues that are worth rallying around and being like, we need to agree on these things, but some of these smaller secondary tertiary ideas that there's room for disagreement there. And I would like to think if the zealot and the tax collector can come together to follow Jesus, that 
we can follow the Jesus together if we disagree on political theory or government right. or some of these other things that so many people are fighting about within the church, within deconstruction, that um, if we allow there to be space for questions mm -hmm. and for disagreement, then I think that would be a much healthier picture of the gospel because there is room for disagreement on some of these things there. I, and I'm not trying to say we can disagree on what takes, what salvation means, or sure. we can disagree on, uh, like other things that are that important, but some of these issues, I disagree with my pastors on some things. I disagree with my friends in my church and my small group. We have different opinions. Like one of the most life-giving conversations I've had recently was after a small group where we actually started talking politics and there were four of us in the conversation and you had someone that was super far right. You had something that was, that was, traditional conservative, somebody that's probably right of center and I'm left of center politically. Yep. And so it was a great conversation, but we were all motivated by a love for Jesus and a love for each other. So we could have that conversation together. So I don't think we need to necessarily, as we're deconstructing and rethinking things, we can, we can come up with our opinions, mm -hmm. but we don't necessarily have to switch and change teams or leave relationships or whatever, because of those things. And that leads us to the question that we like to end every episode off with, Eric. And that's where do we go from here? How do we take the good of deconstruction, the good things behind that, and move us forward to make us stronger Christians and to help build the church for the future? Yeah, I know. And we're we're gonna get into the semantics of of the word and things like that. I think before we get into that. Uh, I think both of us just need to acknowledge this. And this is something that uh, that needs to be said to church leaders. I need to hear it because I was in church leadership. Um, we need to be okay with apologizing when things have gone wrong. We need to be okay with uh, with making right with people, with repenting in relationships, because a lot of this has come from bad church experiences. I've had bad church experiences. Uh, I still carry wounds to this day from people in church that have hurt me, that have sinned against me, that have harmed me uh, intentionally and unintentionally. And one of my favorite things that came out of that, uh, uh, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast, the very last episode, uh, one of the former staff members was talking about an interaction that she had with someone that wronged her. And she said, when we repent and when we go and seek forgiveness and when we apologize to others, we are giving them dignity. And I just like, that was a cathartic moment for me. And I think what a lot of people are searching for is because of their experience, dignity was taken from them by the church and by church leaders. And so technically, morally, whatever, do you need to do all those things? Maybe, I don't know. I don't really care. The bottom line is as a church leader, I, I it's my job to go and restore or give dignity to the people uh, that maybe I have harmed and done things again. So I want to start with that because I think that that is super important that I remove my own ego and I remove my own need to want to protect me and what I've done in the past and justify, well, I was doing it for these reasons or whatever, and where I need to apologize, that needs to happen. And when somebody brings it up to me or, you know, church leaders, I'm saying this to you too. When somebody brings it up to you as well, being able to say, okay, uh, your feelings are valid. Let's talk about that. 
and let's open that up. So I think that's the first step. If this show has shown us anything, it's that the the old saying, um, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm -hmm. That is most definitely true. I mean, we are into a third season of talking about things that were good intentions within the church that led to bad things. Right. And so if someone brings something up to us, I know I have done things that I look back on and I'm like, I had the best of intentions when I did that, Yeah. but it was the wrong move and I had to apologize for it. And I probably still, mm -hmm. if someone called me on, I, I still, I need to apologize again. Right. There was no ill intention. And so I think if we could start apologizing for the things where we messed up without bad intentions, that would go a long way because then when we quote unquote apologize for the big things, yeah, people will actually believe us right now yeah. when something bad happens um, where it's obvious like you, you screwed up and you did it on purpose. And yeah. then there's an apology. It feels like a PR move because we don't have a culture of accepting responsibility and uh, repenting in the church. There's the, was the old Martin Luther saying that says that uh, Christians should be marked by a life of con constant repentance. Yes. And uh, we don't do that very often, which I think is a big thing in that's causing deconstruction on a side note to that. Another thing we don't do a good job of is saying and being okay with, I don't know. Mm -hmm. When someone asks us a question moving forward, when someone going through the deconstruction process asks us a question and we don't know the answer, how much more life-giving and respectful would it be to say, you know what? I don't have a great answer for that. Let's figure it out together. As yes. opposed to saying, well, you just got to believe. Mm -hmm. or just regurgitating something that you heard someone else say. Um, yep. But walking with someone through the process of, I need to, let, let's let's dive into the Bible and see what the Bible actually says about that together so that we can come up yeah. with an answer to that. Yeah, I think one of the things that's been most, uh, I don't know, life-giving and eye-opening for me throughout this process that applies to deconstruction is, you know, you and I both know as marketers, as fans of the story brand framework, um, you know, what, when I was going through church marketing and, and communications directing and things like that, understanding that the church needs to stand in the place as the guide. We have a bunch of heroes walking through our doors every day. And when we stand on stage and try to be the hero with all the answers and try to be the one that's like, we get it wrong. But when we can stand beside someone else as the guide pointing them uh, maybe in the right direction. You know, one of my favorite answers is not even just, I don't know, but saying, I don't know, comma, what do you think? Question mark, right? Like asking the other person, I, I don't know. What do you think? Let's, let's explore this together and then walk alongside them as a guide uh, to their discovery, as opposed to the person who is just regurgitating uh, probably bad theological facts we've been told from somebody else in the first place. And so helping other people guide them along wherever they're at in their theological journey, whether that means you're deep into um, a mode of deconstruction because of years and years of abuse or bad church experiences, maybe the first answer isn't to throw Bible verses and scripture at them. Maybe the first answer is to empathize with them and walk alongside of them before they can even, you need to be heard and known and understood before you could be guided into a direction where correction is going to be needed. So, you know, 
before church leader, where we could go from here is in this deconstruction movement. If somebody comes up to you that has a bad church experience, start off with empathy, start off standing beside them and start off saying, okay, let me get, let me view this from your perspective before moving forward. So that's the church response. That's where the church goes from here. As the individual, as the Christian who may be um, going through the deconstruction process, I want to flip to them. And you mentioned the semantics earlier, but it's because we I put this in our notes, and I think this is really important. Deconstructing versus unlearning. And there's a reason we named this podcast Unlearning Youth Group instead of Deconstructing Youth Group. And it might be semantics, but uh, this is kind of how I look at the entire issue. I think in reality, unlearning and deconstruction are probably two sides of a similar coin. I would define it as deconstruction is tearing things down to the ground Mm. and then building them back up. So you're tearing away everything to build it back up. I'm not sure if deconstruction TikTok would say that, but as I've watched so many go through this process, that's the process that usually happens. Um, They start with questioning if God's even real or if Jesus is who he says he is, and then they base their reconstruction off of nothing. It's off of a blank slate, and they're going to rebuild their faith from the ground up. I think that's one thing that we need to separate up too, is because uh, in our society today, we have these these blanket words, statements, acronyms that now start to mean things, different things to different people. So, uh, for instance, you know the the big. The big controversy there is over Black Lives Matter. There's a difference between do you believe Black Lives Matter and some organization or whatever. You know, like we we throw these things into a bunch of stuff where it doesn't actually mean that in the first place. So I think the same thing is true here with deconstruction. Is when you walk into a spot and say, "Hey, I'm in a I'm I'm right now deconstructing my faith." You better you dang well better be able to explain what that means because. Otherwise, you might not even know, and other people are just going to assume, oh, they're they're completely tearing it down just to watch the world burn, as opposed to, no, I'm kind of taking out things and examining it and really asking questions about my faith, and that that looks different now. Yep. And so that second piece is what I would call unlearning. It's mm-hmm. looking at our faith and acknowledging there are issues that need to be thought through or thought about differently, and they need to be approached from a different angle. Where deconstruction tears down and it starts with a blank canvas, unlearning starts with a canvas of, I believe Jesus is is who he says he is, but his church screwed up and I want to do better following him, not what I've been following. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that unlearning, is, it's extremely healthy and is something we all should be doing regularly because the church is led by people who are doing their best but are still sinful people in a sinful world. And they may not even recognize the mistakes they're making. They have biases. They have their own agendas at time. It's wrong. Those things are wrong, but it's mm-hmm. just the fact of life. Yep. Uh, it's the fact of living in a fallen world. And if we can agree that Jesus is the son of God, that he's the only way to heaven, that he died and rose again as the penalty for sin for our salvation, then we can begin to unlearn all the bad things that happened in church. And we can question our theology. We can rebuild our faith from that foundation. Like there's the old, like on this rock, I I stand uh, so many hymns and traditional church songs and ideas, because 
if I'm going to build my faith, am I going to build it on a ground of nothing to figure out what I believe in? Or am I going to build my faith on the idea of on Christ, the solid rock I stand and build back from that? And that I'm okay if you change your church governance beliefs or Mm -hmm. if you change your theology on certain things or your politics change because of your understanding of the Bible. I just want the Bible and Jesus to inform those things as opposed to looking for the reason to not believe. Yeah. I think if you spend any amount of time with Christians from different countries, especially if you're listening to this in the United States, which I guarantee most of our people are, but if you spend any amount of time with missionaries or Christians from other countries and you see how ministry is done around the world and you can get out of your own, uh, you know, Western capitalistic United States, whatever you want to call it, society, you start to realize how many things we have put on our faith that are just preferences, which may be great preferences and God is fine. Is God fine with Hillsong? Sure. Is he fine with hymns? Sure. Is he fine with acapella singing? Sure. You know, like there are so many. Is it theological or is it societal is the question. Right. Exactly. And I think that's the key is being able to, to, like you said, get down to that canvas of like, let's take what are, what's, what's needed. And then we can build back from there and also be okay with the preferences of others that the Bible doesn't really have a clear stance on or is not central to the core tenets uh, of your faith, which brings, I think brings us up to the close. Cause I, I love, I love the conversation around like, well, we, isn't it important, Eric and Jonathan to defend your faith, defend your faith. What, what do you mean? Defend your faith from, from who What you think? Well, you think Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit and, and God, the Trinity's up there, they're having a, a big meeting that's going, oh man, you know, there's a big question coming up with Jonathan. I, ho- I hope Jonathan's going to be able to defend us here. Oh boy, they're clutching their pearls in heaven. You think that's happening? No, no. That, that whole idea of having to have this somewhat needing to defend, defend theology over, to what? From who? But no, Jesus, Jesus is okay. He's a big boy. He, he not only can handle your doubts and questions, he can handle the doubts and questions of other people. And it's okay to have those conversations. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of those old defend pop punk t-shirts from like the early 2010s that right. blew up on <laughs> yeah. Tumblr. They're like yep. four people listening to this will understand what I'm talking about right here. Very niche content here. That's good. Yes. But that that's who I am. Uh-huh. Yeah. Jesus doesn't need us to defend him. He's a big boy. He can mm-hmm. handle our doubts. He can handle yep. other people's doubts. But as we close, I do want to give whoever's listening to this permission to have your doubts, to have Mm -hmm. your questions, to work them out, because I want you to follow the real Jesus. I don't want you to follow evangelical Jesus or conservative Jesus or political Jesus or progressive Jesus or deconstructing Jesus or whoever. I want you to have a real relationship with the real Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that real Jesus is not going to fit in any of those other boxes. And it's going to take wrestling with your faith, questioning your faith, unlearning your faith, deconstructing part of your faith. Because in our culture, in an American culture, our faith is also our society. It is also our friendships. It is also the way we approach life. And so there are so many pieces baked into what we do that you're going to need to put the time in to really understand why you believe what you believe so you can actually go out and live a life that 
reflects those beliefs and isn't like the group that we're trying to not be a part of who says, I believe this, but I act this. We don't want that. We want you to go live a life that actually is going to frustrate those people and is going to frustrate the people on the opposite side because the Bible doesn't fit in a box. The gospel doesn't Mm -hmm. fit in a box. And the more we actively follow Jesus, the more of an enigma we're going to be. Exactly. Totally agree. So that's where we're going to stop. Would love to continue the conversation with you on social. I am at Jonathan underscore Corone on Instagram and Twitter. Eric is Eric W seven one two on Instagram. Uh, So follow us and keep the conversation going there next week. I'm excited for this because we're leaning into youth group here, Eric in youth group. What happens every February? Relationship series. We talk about sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. And dating. Let's talk about you and, me. and what you shouldn't do. And why you're going to hell if you do it. So next week we are talking relationships and sex and dating and all those things, but not just for next week, mm. for the rest of the season. So yes. we're going to spend February talking about all the things that we talked about in youth group in February, because we're leaning into the stereotype, but that's Mm -hmm. it for this week. Uh, I hope that uh, this episode was good for you, that it um, started opening up a conversation that you're going to have with your friends or us, whoever in the future would love to talk more about it, but we want to respect your time. So have a great day and we will see you next week.